in the columns, I would like you to identify what are the things that you're really interested in? International travel, finance, music, fashion. What are the five things you're interested in? And then under each of those columns, identify five potential contacts that could help you in your career search in that area of your interest. That was Jack Killian, longtime successful entrepreneur, author, and networking expert, providing one of his suggestions on how to use networking to help you identify a career and find a job. Networking is the trend topic we will explore on this episode, episode number 60 of Looking Forward. Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. In today's episode of Looking Forward, we're going to discuss an activity which has become even more crucial to your career success and life fulfillment, networking. In part one of this two-part series, we discuss such things as what networking looks like and effective ways to do it, how networking has evolved over the years, networking globally, and what impact COVID-19 is having on networking. In part two of this series, we'll learn more great tips on the benefits of networking and how to network. We'll explore where networking may go in the future and take a look at what opportunities that may present to those in the know, including you, our Looking Forward listeners. To do that, we've again tapped the knowledge, wisdom, and experience of an outstanding guest expert, Jack Killian. Jack Killian has successfully applied the skills of networking to his advantage, and at times, to the advantage of others too, for over 50 years. Jack is the author of the book, Network, All the Time, Everywhere, with Everybody. He's used his networking skills to launch and grow 10 different companies, buy, sell, and merge companies, and advise thousands of entrepreneurs. He's developed business opportunities both inside and outside of the United States. Jack's also counseled leaders of diverse Fortune 500 companies as a consultant with McKinsey & Company during the early part of his career. He served on the boards of many U.S. and international private and public corporations and leading charities, been named the first entrepreneur-in-residence at Fairleigh Dickinson University, and has served as an adjunct professor at Rutgers, Montclair State, and Fairleigh Dickinson Universities. Jack's latest venture is Street Smart Entrepreneurs, which he founded and leads as its CEO. Street Smart Entrepreneurs strategically advises and provides street smart information via events and online courses to entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders in person and online. Jack received his bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from Yale University and his MBA from MIT. Jack, what you spoke about seems to be one of the big impacts of COVID, which is the formation of these online networking groups right. that didn't exist prior to COVID, correct? Right. 
but you know, there's so many out there. One of the tricks is which one, if any, are you going to put real effort into? It's one thing posting on them and just generally getting the word out about what you're thinking or what you're doing versus really getting involved. I don't like to become part of any group unless I'm really involved in it. Just going to a group meeting doesn't do very much for me. I think if you're actually going to put effort into belonging to a membership type of group, then you should commit to really having an impact on the success of that group and put energy into doing that. Again, I would much rather form my own groups than join other people's groups. Because when I create my own group, I can control who's a member, how often do we meet, what's the financial implications, what are the expectations, how formal or informal. So for example, about five years ago, I put together a networking group in New Jersey of graduates of the MIT Business School who live or work in New Jersey. Okay. And it's not an official club. MIT certainly endorses what I'm doing. They gave me the names of the people to reach out to, for example, but it's very informal, but that's a great networking group for me. I mean, every one of those people is successful. They're all well-connected. We meet when I want to meet. I dictate the terms. There are no officers. There are no dues. There are no bylaws. It's very informal, but it works great. Yeah. I, in my career, have created a handful of groups, depending on what part of my career I'm in, that I control every aspect of it. And it's a great way to create networking opportunities. Very interesting way of doing things, Jack. You started to address this. Let me have you say a little bit more about it, if you would, please. And that is looking forward is in part called looking forward because we're looking into the future. And as we think about the future, it's hard to predict what's going to happen in the longer term. Lord knows we've had problems predicting what will happen in the shorter term when we think about something like COVID. Given your vast experience in business, in life, networking, what other changes do you see happening in terms of networking over the next several years? If you could elaborate a little bit, perhaps, on what you were just saying earlier about how people are going to differentiate between when they meet in person and when they don't, what do you see happening, Jack? I would say pre-COVID, networking as a concept, I think, was heavily weighted to being a U.S. phenomena. Now, I think COVID is going to help. It's going to level the playing field because people globally are going to get more exposed to the concept of meeting people, building relationships. It's going to be easier. It's going to be less expensive. More people are going to do it. More people are becoming technically savvy so they can use these platforms. So I I think there's going to be real growth in networking worldwide, including going down into younger people. I see a lot more younger people getting involved in using these technologies to build relationships. For example, somebody reached out to the network with me cold. They're developing a uh, concept to get teenage and college students to develop proposals for eliminating minority hate problems in the country. And they, they reached out to me to see if I could be like a mentor for this program and to the young people. 
well, th this is a program that they're going to expand worldwide. So I, I think COVID is going to drive relationships worldwide. And one of the reasons early on in COVID, I thought about what COVID was going to do. You know, it was causing all kinds of pain and misery. But I thought, what are the good things that are going to come out of COVID? And I think the good things are going to be improvements in our global healthcare system, improvements in our global educational system, improvements in people's work-life balance, because people are learning they can work from home and they don't have to spend 15 hours a week on a train going into the city. And I think it's going to explode entrepreneurship worldwide. And when I realized that, that's when I decided to start Street Smart Entrepreneurs so I can leverage my entrepreneurial background and help other entrepreneurs and, and business leaders worldwide. So I think COVID, there's been a terrible price we paid for COVID, yes. but it's going to have some fundamental major changes in the way we work and the way we live. And it's going to foster an explosion in networking and relationship building. And I think it's going to break down barriers. It's going to break down silos. I think one of the ways people make serious mistakes is by trying to live in silos. They try to keep their personal life and their business life separate. Yes. If they go to a wedding, they don't take their business card. That's a mistake. You can't live in silos. And organizations have silos. Law firms have silos in the different practice areas. And multinational companies have silos in the different locations. So I think this speed up and improvement in communications worldwide is going to help to break down silos. And it's going to make it much easier and more effective for people to uh, talk to each other, which is what networking is all about. It's talking to people. Yes. Jack, on that note, going back to something you said almost at the very beginning, I think there's this perception that in order to network, and you've given us a much broader definition of network, people might think that you have to be outgoing. Can you speak to that for a second? Because you uh, were not. Uh, you I'm were not in the beginning outgoing. I'm still not outgoing. And you're still not outgoing. Okay. I mean, I got nervous this morning getting ready to talk to you on this program. <laughs> so I, I never lose my nerve. If I have to make a cold call now, I hesitate like the average person, but I've learned to overcome that. So I think you certainly don't have to be an extrovert to be an effective networker. I think there's actually some advantages to being quiet and shy. I think people tend to view people who are quiet as maybe smarter than they are because <laughs> they must be thinking something because they're not saying anything. Right. <laughs> some of the very best networkers I know are understated, quiet people. I don't think anybody should use that as an excuse. I think that the good people in the world are always looking to be helpful to other people. And we all want to just deal with good people. So if we happen to meet somebody or talk to somebody and they're not responsive and they're not helpful, move on. You don't have to be stuck focusing on only people that don't want to be receptive and helpful to you and that you could help and that exactly. you enjoy building the relationship with. You, you don't have to be an extroverted salesperson to be good at networking. Thanks for sharing that, Jack. And you remind me of something else, a little off topic, but I think relevant. And that is 
I know for myself, for a long time, there was a tendency to focus a little bit more or maybe a lot more on the things that I wasn't good at instead of focusing more on the things that I could do well because I kind of took them for granted. And I wonder if a lot of people don't do that sort of thing. They tend to harp on the things within themselves that they're really not that good at. They see somebody else is good at it and not focus more on the things that they're very good at. They tend to assume, oh, everybody's good at that or it's not that valuable. One of the lessons I learned when I left McKinsey is not to compete with anybody else. So I never compare my degree of success or failure with anybody else. If you're making $100 million a year doing this podcast, God bless you, I think it's great. I'll, I'll never do that, right? I'm not capable. I think instead of focusing on strengths and weaknesses, you should really focus on what are your goals and both personal goals and your professional or career goals. And, you know, if you really focus on what those are, then you don't have time to worry about whether you're good at accomplishing that goal a certain way or bad at it. You just need to focus on how you accomplish that goal. Yeah. Like maybe a person listening to this has a goal of getting their son or daughter into a, a good college. So how do you do that? Get over, Forget your personal hangups. How do you help your son or daughter get into a a good college? Or how do you raise a million dollars for your new venture? Forget about having strengths and weaknesses. Concentrate on what you're, what is important to you and what you're really trying to get done. And don't worry about comparing yourself, your strengths, or your weaknesses to anybody else. You're dealing with the hand that you were dealt. Don't overanalyze yourself. I think basically everybody's pretty capable of doing almost anything they set their mind to. And what they set their mind to should be based on what's important for them to accomplish. Excellent points. Jack, I want to ask you one more thing before we let people know how they can get in touch with you. Looking forward is also called looking forward because when we look forward to something, it usually means something good. And in our case, we think of opportunities. You know that there have been millions of people who've lost their jobs due to COVID. There are a lot of people, not unlike Jack and not unlike Jeff, who made changes in their companies or their careers. So they're looking maybe to make a change. You have all these students you talked about trying to figure out what do I do with my life? Maybe even earlier than that, where should I go to college? And then you have the investors and people like Jack, the entrepreneurs, looking for opportunities. What would be some of the best tips that you would give any of these individuals, Jack, and you've worked probably with all of them, all of those different types, that would help them use networking in order to find a good opportunity. I know you have many and they're in your book. What I would recommend is that you get one piece of yellow paper, one sheet of yellow paper, and you draw a grid on it. For example, if you're looking for a new career, you draw a grid with five columns. In the columns, I would like you to identify what are the things that you're really interested in? International travel, finance, music, fashion. What are the five things you're interested in? And then under each of those columns, identify five potential contacts that could help you 
in your career search in that area of your interest. And the first time I came up with this approach, a friend of mine asked me if I'd meet with his daughter who had been out of school a year, out of college a year, was sitting in her bedroom, sending out letters and resumes and nothing was happening and she was totally despondent. So I met her in a diner and we were talking and I said to her, what are you interested in? And she was embarrassed to tell me. I said, come on, you got to be interested in something. <laughs> yeah, why? What are you interested in? She said, animals. I said, what's wrong with being interested in animals? I said, I spent 20 years breeding and training racehorses. <laughs> my, my wife spent 20 years breeding and showing English setters. We've always had animals. Well, nothing wrong with animals. No. What else, you, what else are you interested in? She said, I love ice cream. I said, what's wrong with loving ice cream? <laughs> I could eat a pint of ice cream every night. So that's column two. Yeah. So now she's getting into it. And I said, what else are you interested in? International travel, music, and fashion. I said, okay, that's where you should look for a job. You don't want to sell insurance or work for a bank or work for a manufacturing company. So under animals, who should you reach out to that could possibly help you get a job? How about the Bronx Zoo or the Baltimore Aquarium or PetSmart or the American Kennel Club or New Bolton Vet School? So we went through each column and we identified five organizations that she could envision working for under international travel. It was the Irish Tourist Board, Club Med, Norwegian Ship Line, whatever, yeah. uh, Virgin Air. So we came up with 25 organizations that fit her areas of interest. I said, now all you have to do is go find somebody in those organizations that you could talk to about how do you land a job in that organization? And you either have to do that by cold calling or better yet, getting somebody in your current network to refer you. I said, your dad owns his own insurance agency. He's got to have contacts in most of these organizations that he can put you in touch with. Now that you're focused on what you want to do, she had multiple job offers within two months and took a job with Ritz-Carlton starting at $50,000 a year. Set your goals and be really honest about your goals. I, I said to this girl, if you want to work for an ice cream company, I said, Hershey is 30 miles away from where you went to college. There must be 200 alumni of your college. You went to Susquehanna college in Pennsylvania, sure. must be 200 of your alumni working for Hershey. You could have a job at Hershey by Friday. <laughs> so just identify the goal, find out, figure out who you want to reach. And then how do you get to a person in that organization to reach? So that applies if you're trying to buy a company, what are the five categories of companies you'd want to buy? Or if you want to raise a million dollars for your venture, what are the five different sources of funding that you could go after family offices, venture capital, foundations? So that one page approach to focusing your search works. It's a tremendous idea. Was it one that you thought up yourself, Jack, or did somebody teach it to you? I sat there in a diner trying to help this young lady figure out how to get a job. And I took a, a napkin out of the container and I start, I, what are you interested in? Let's find out. No sense getting you a job and something you don't want to do because you're not going to be successful. Right. And, you know, the approach works. Then the person's doing something that's important to them. You know, nobody wants to go get a job. 
you want to get a career path in an area that you're really interested in. Yes. And it could be anything, animals, the Bronx Zoo. I'm sure if she wanted to pursue that, I could have helped her get a job at the Bronx Zoo. Yes, you're absolutely right. You make me want to ask you one other thing. We talked about, Jack, the myth, if I would call it that, or misconception that you need to be outgoing to network. Are there any other myths that you can think of that people have about what it takes to be successful as a networker? I think one myth is that a lot of people think it's all about selling. And I see that with professionals like lawyers and accountants. I've actually had lawyers tell me when I talk to them about networking, I didn't spend all that money going to law school to be a salesperson. I said, this is not about selling. This is about learning to help people, learning to help your clients thrive. You know, I think a lot of professionals have the point of view, the, the business model, that they're in the transaction business. Their job is to produce a tax return or an audit or a partner's agreement or buy-sell agreement. They're in the transaction business. And I tell them, I think that's totally the wrong business model. Your business model should be helping your clients and potential clients thrive in whatever way you can do that. And, you know, in my 50-year business career, I've worked with lawyers and accountants, solo practitioners, up to the very biggest in the world. And I've never once had any of them ask me, Jack, how can I help you grow your business more successfully? <laughs> they're, they're certainly happy to do an agreement and send me an invoice yes. and bug me if I'm slow paying it. The focus has to be on helping people. And the big myth is that networking is primarily about selling something. And it's not that at all. That's a byproduct. I never try to sell something. People buy things from me after they really understand what I'm doing. And we both agree that there's a fit. I often talk people out of buying things that they could buy from me because I just don't think they'll get value out of that. Yes. So it's not about selling and it's not short term. I have a Jack's one-year rule that anything significant takes a year to happen. So this is our first live in-person contact. It'll be a year from now before something really significant happens in our relationship, before we really figure out how to leverage it, maybe create something jointly. So when I was in the horse business, from the time I decided to breed the female, until the baby was born, that's a year. I've been at Street Smart Entrepreneurs a little under a year. I'm starting to build track. Everything takes time. So networking is not a short-term process. If you're not prepared to invest the time, you're never going to be successful. It's not an immediate return game. So another thing we have to learn, Jack, which is hard sometimes, is patience, right? Patience. Totally. 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 I, ha I have another rule, which is Jack's 24-hour rule. <laughs> and that is after you meet somebody or have a communication with somebody, get back to them within 24 hours with a thank you, a yes, a no, glad to meet you, summary of the meeting. But if you wait longer than 24 hours, 
they're going to start to forget you even had the communication and your, your follow-up is going to have to be longer to refresh their memory. I think it's only polite to get back to people in 24 hours. It demonstrates that you really respect the relationship and the time they spent talking to you. Yes. And I have to let everybody know, and I did say this to Jack before we went on the air, so to speak, that he is right there at the top of the list of people who is the most responsive person I've dealt with. He answered me right away when I ask him a question. He gets right back to me. And when you consider all the great things you've done and are now doing, that you can do that, you're a man of your word. You follow through on what you actually say that you're going to do. I think it's a time saver. You know, one other point to make about networking, people, one of their excuses is I don't have time. Yes. I'm too, I'm too busy. And I think that's among the worst excuses. For, for example, I don't think networking has to take out of family time. So I've always involved my family in my networking activities, many of them. So even when our son was young, a kid, I would take him to business meetings with me. And just the fact that I take a five-year-old kid to a business meeting at a company like IBM, if the company has problems with me doing that, that's probably a pretty good indication that it's a company I don't want to work with anyway. So I don't separate. So if I have a breakfast meeting with somebody interesting at a diner, I'll invite my wife to come. She doesn't have to sit through the whole meeting. She could go bring a book and sit in another booth, but at least she's not being excluded from what I'm doing. Yeah. And she's meeting another interesting person. I think networking can save massive amounts of time instead of taking up time. I'll give you one more example. Yes. I once 20 years ago had an opportunity to maybe become a partner with Mr. Paley who started CBS. Yeah. Bill Paley, right? Yeah. Bill Paley was looking for a partner to help him manage his money in private companies, not in the stock market. He already had somebody helping him in the stock market. So he hired an executive search firm to find potential candidates to be a partner investing his money in private companies. And somehow I wound up on the list of candidates and I went up to meet Mr. Paley one-on-one. He brought all the candidates in separately and he had recently invested several million dollars in a technology company. And at the end of the lunch, he said, Jack, you know, to get a feel of how you analyze situations i'd like you to analyze this investment for me and he did that with all the other candidates so this is 30 years ago pre-internet pre-email pre and anything pre-websites so i went back to my little office i had this two-man firm going i certainly couldn't go over to the new york library for six weeks (laughs) researching this company so i thought how do i really do this and one of my clients at McKinsey had been Columbia Records, which was a division of CBS. So I called the technology guy at Columbia Records, a guy by the name of Jim Judge. And I said, Jim, can you tell me about this company? I didn't tell him why I was interested. And he went off what a lousy company it was. Their products were terrible. Their service were tough. They were overpriced. I hung up the phone after about 10 minutes and I went, wow. I thought, 
if I could call eight or 10 other IT managers at big companies. So I called IT managers at American Express, the city of New York, B&O, C&O, Railroad, and I asked them the same question. And I got the same feedback. I called Mr. Paley's office up the next day. And I said, I finished my research. And the woman on the phone said, okay, I'll pass the message on. What is your conclusion? I said, I think Mr. Paley should sell the stock. And I didn't hear back for like three or four months. <laughs> and then the stock started to tank. And I'm sure Mr. Paley thought I was very shallow, right? Yeah. So he calls me up, invites me back up for lunch. We have a discussion. He said, Jack, when I got your phone call 24 hours later, telling me to sell the stock, I thought, you know, how shallow could your analysis be? How did you do that? And I told him what I'd done. He said, you know, of all the candidates I'm talking to, you're the only one who came back and told me to sell. Everybody else either told me to hold or buy more. Wow. So, you know, I saved hundreds of hours by networking. It's a long story, but I eventually got offered the partnership, but I reluctantly turned down. Networking can save massive amounts of time. Boy, that's a great example, Jack. I love that one. Right. I really do. Jack, this has been fantastic. So many great pieces of advice, great experiences that you've shared with us. I'm wondering, how can our listeners find out more about you, about your networking book, about street smart entrepreneurs, and everything else that you're involved with? You can reach me by email at jack at streetsmartentrepreneurs.com with a hyphen between street and smart. So jack at streetsmartentrepreneurs.com. You can look at our developments on our website, which is streetsmartentrepreneurs.com. My phone number is 908-507-9879. And my book is available on Amazon. The title is Network All the Time, Everywhere with Everybody, which is my basic philosophy. And I think you would really enjoy it. And whatever ways I might be able to help you, I don't care where you are in the world. I would certainly like to have a Zoom conversation and explore synergies in these finger holds that I've been talking about <laughs> and see if we can accomplish some good things together. Yeah, a couple of rock climbers getting together. A couple of rock climbers. <laughs> I love it. Jack, thank you so much. This is terrific. And you see everybody, he's open to talking to people. Thank you very much, Jeff. This is great. My pleasure. This concludes part two of our two-part series on networking trends, opportunities, and the future with our guest expert, Jack Killian. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F.com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.